He is Jesus. He's the king of kings. Whether, whether you acknowledge it or not, he's still the king of kings. Whether I declare it or not, he's still the king of kings. Whether anybody thinks he is or not, he's still the king of kings. And he's worthy of our praise. So when we sing, when we, when we have this time at the beginning of a service, it's time to worship the Lord. You know, the Bible calls it calls it a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. You know what a sacrifice involves? A sacrifice involves giving something up. Sometimes a sacrifice is not pleasant. You know, it's not very pleasant for that lamb to be killed and put on an altar, right? That's not very pleasant. But yet God esteems that, uh, that sacrifice when we give something, um, whether it's lifting our hands, lifting our voice, giving our attention, calling God who he really is in our lives and really acknowledging who he is, that's a sacrifice of praise. And a sacrifice of praise is acceptable to God. So when you sing, when we have these times at the beginning of every service, I just want us to remember, and I know it's kind of, I should have said this before we sang and not after, but use it for next time. And that is that the time at the beginning of the service, that 20 minutes that we sing songs, it's not a warm up. It's not something to do because we don't have anything else to do. It's singing worship to God. It's actual worship to God. And it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Now, what does that mean? He inhabits, it means he comes down and he makes his dwelling place when we start singing praises to God. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. So the, 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 that's a reference to the temple. The gate was the outer thing, the way on the exterior wall, that was the gate. You enter his gates with thanksgiving, but then there was the court. There was the outer court, the inner court, and then the holy of holies, right? So the, you enter his courts with praise. So that's an Old Testament reference to a New Testament truth, and that is if you, if you say, where is God? Where is he in my life? I don't know what's going on right now. I would say to you, he's as close as your last episode of praise and thanksgiving. If you haven't had an episode of praise and thanksgiving on your own, even on your own, in your car or in church or whatever it is, because just coming in here is not worship if you don't participate, right? If you stand there like this and that's not, that's not worshiping God. Singing along, that's worshiping God. You're, it's an attitude of your heart. But praising God and just thanking God for who he is in reference to what Scott had shared earlier, just thanking God who he is, thanking God for how great he is because he is a great and mighty God. He is a great and mighty king. Jesus rose from the dead. He really did. I mean, that's a big deal, okay? I remember reading on Easter one time, it was, it was right around Easter time, and there's, a, there's a, uh, a place downtown, and it's on a street called Fountain Street, and there's a building that they, that they have there, and it's, it's, it's a church over there, and they, they don't believe in the gospel, and they have a bunch of other ideas, okay? Um, they have like secular humanists, to teach there, because that's what they believe, okay? And I remember he had a quote one time in the paper, and so that I can say it because he said it in the paper, right? So this guy said, if I really believed 
that Jesus actually rose from the dead, I would jump up and down and I would tell everybody I knew, but it's too bad, I know it never really happened, it's just a fable. There's the pastor of that place that they call it a church. But he does not believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And I'm going, well, I am jumping up and down and I'm telling everybody Jesus did raise from the dead. He really did. He's alive. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Don't, don't get complacent. This isn't even my message. This is just extra. So I, get, I still get 30 minutes when I'm done, okay? Don't get complacent because you've heard it your whole life. Don't get complacent because, yeah, yeah, I know, Jesus rose again, that's what you do on Easter. Don't do that because you know what that is? That's complacency and that is not pleasing to God. And it's not gonna help you either. Let's realize and remember, man, Jesus, he's alive. He listens to our prayers. It says his ear is attentive to our cry and his eye is upon the righteous. His ear is attentive to our cry, which means when you pray and you ask God something in Jesus' name, he hears it, and he actually will do what you ask him to do if you ask according to his will. What's his will? His word is his will. So it's actually pretty simple. Pray according to God's word, and you'll get what you're looking for, okay? So it's a big deal. He hears us when we pray. He really is alive. Jesus is not some ethereal thing, Casper the friendly ghost. Jesus was a real man. Jesus walked the earth. Jesus really died on the cross and he really rose again on the third day. He really went to heaven and he really is sitting at the right hand of God and he's really coming back for us again. He really is. And for those that don't believe that, we're all gonna one day, one day, I'll just tell you right now, one day, I don't know when it's gonna be, I really don't know when it's gonna be, but one day, we're all gonna be kinda just doing our own thing, and all of a sudden, about 50 million of us are gonna be gone out of America. And the other 300 are gonna go, dude, what happened? Where'd that one dude, where'd that Garner dude go? Where'd he go? He was just here. Where'd he go? There's his gun. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's a guard, all right? He's a security guy on his other job. I don't mean here. I mean, you know, yeah. Sorry, shouldn't have said that. But you can't take that to heaven, Mark. Sorry. There's all this stuff, but where'd he go, right? Where'd he go? Well, what's gonna happen? We're all gonna go to heaven. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, it says, boom, we're going to heaven. That's called the rapture. The rapture's not in the Bible. Well, the catching away is in the Bible, okay? And it's called the rapizo, which means the catching away. So anyway, I'm getting way off track. I better get to what I'm supposed to talk about. But that was just burning in me that we are here to worship Jesus. We're here to worship him, to hear his word, because he's alive, all right? He is alive and it's a big deal. And it's not just some moth-bitten old truth. It's alive. The word of God is alive. And if you put it in your heart on a daily basis, you know what happens? You get life. That's what happens. Today, we're, we're talking about the fruits of the spirit. We've been talking about the fruit of the spirit for the last few weeks. And today, we're gonna talk about kindness, how to be kind. And I, I was a little bit offended a few days ago because Pastor Scott Gurley, or 
he, he said to me, he says, how can you talk about being kind? And I went, come on. That wasn't very kind, Mr. Scott. But I know what he's saying. In the natural, I'm not the most you know, touchy-feely you know, guy, okay? But I can be kind. Why can I be kind? Why? Because Christ is in me and he produces kindness. So even if you're naturally not the most patient person in the world, Christ in you can produce patience. Even if you're kind of impetuous, Christ in you can produce self-control, right? You get where I'm going with this? So no matter what your natural bent, your natural personality is like, you can have and exhibit the fruit of the spirit in your life because it's not the fruit of you, it's the fruit of the spirit, right? And a tree, last time I checked, we have an apple tree in my backyard and when, it, when we planted it, it was this nice little apple tree. 15 years later, it's a pain in the rear end because it produces all these apples that we don't spray and we don't take care of it. I'm a terrible gardener. So, and it produces like literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of apples in my backyard and they fall on the ground and rot and all the deer come up and all the animals come up and eat them in my backyard and it's just a big mess and bees and flies and all that stuff. But anyway, why did I say about the apple tree? That apple tree, I've never seen it once grunting and working trying to produce apples, right? It just stands there and goes, and apples show up on its branches, right? Why? Because it's an apple tree. I don't ever have any peaches come off that tree. I don't ever have any pears. All I get is apples. Why? Because it's an apple tree. So if we are Christians with Christ on the inside of us, we will produce the fruit with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and we allow and yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will produce what? The fruit of, not apples, come on, dude. Gosh, I got a heckler over here. He's my friend, too. It might produce apples, sure. But it will produce what? It'll produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness, goodness, kindness, and self-control and perseverance, and self-control. I probably, every translation calls them different things. I think I just said 12 things. But there's nine fruit of the Spirit, okay? There's nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. In Genesis chapter five, verse 16, I don't know if you're having fun, but I'm having fun, so hey, whatever. Genesis chapter five, verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, how many have ever had that conflict? You wanna do one thing, but you end up doing another, right? The apostle Paul had that conflict in his life. He said, the good thing that I would do, I do not do, right? And that bad thing that I don't wanna do, I end up doing. That's the contrary nature of your fallen flesh and your born again spirit. And they war against each other all the time. And whichever one you feed and yield to will win the battle, okay? It's like a thumb war. Remember thumb wars, you know, you're always... And whichever one you yield to, 
that's the one that wins. So there's always this conflict on the inside. You got your flesh wanting to do this and you got your, the spirit of God, your born again spirit wanting to do this and whatever one you give the most attention to is the one that's going to prevail in that particular situation. Because all of us are capable, I know I am capable of doing dumb things. Okay, it's, it's pretty easy for me to do dumb things if I'm not careful, okay? So it says you do the things that you don't wanna do, but, verse 18, but if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murder, drunk, that's a pretty big list. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like. I wonder what that and the like is. But anyway, um, all those things are, are works of the flesh. There's anything that's, evil and bad is a work of the flesh. It says, and of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is. Now, here's the thing to remember. When you're dealing with people who don't know Jesus, don't expect them to have the fruit of the spirit or you'll be disappointed right? Because how are they going to have the fruit of the spirit if they don't have the spirit within them, if they're not born again, if they aren't even believers, you can't expect them to have the fruit of the spirit. So don't be disappointed if they lie to you, because that's like natural for people to lie if they're not Christians, because that's just, you lie to get your way out of things. That's what the flesh does, right? So don't be surprised if somebody cheats you or steals from you if they're not a Christian because, well, that's what you do. You use and abuse people to get money if you're not a believer. Now, again, I'm not accusing. It's just that's the flesh thing to do. It's wrong, but it's the flesh thing to do. And if you don't know Jesus, that's pretty natural to do those things. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are in, who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us all walk, let us also walk in the Spirit. Colossians 3 is another reference. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another, forgive one another, whatever grievances you have against each other. So the, what is kindness, the fruit of kindness? What is it? What's the definition of that? It's the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate of others. It's the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate of others. That's kindness. Being just thinking of others before yourself, being considerate, kind, Obviously being kind, that's why it's called kindness. I love that in the dictionary, you go there. What does kindness mean? To be kind. Great. But it doesn't help very much. You know, I looked up the word altruism. To have an altruistic viewpoint. Well, duh, right? So, so it means to be generous and to be considerate of others, okay? So 
How do we become considerate of others when our natural propensity or our natural leaning is to think about our own stuff all the time, right? It is totally unnatural to be kind. It's unnatural. It's, un, it's unhuman or it's beyond human to be kind, to be friendly and generous and considerate of others and putting others' needs above your, your own. So if you are able to be kind, considerate, generous, and friendly, that is, you are exhibiting the fruit of kindness, and that fruit is produced by the Spirit of God within you, and you are allowing Christ to come shine through you and to be the light of the world when you're kind to people. See, you don't always have to preach and tell people with words the gospel. Sometimes you preach and tell people the gospel by being kind to them or being patient with them or exhibiting other fruits, demonstrations of the fruit of the Spirit. But by being kind, you can, you, can, you can really mess with people by being kind to them when they aren't being kind to you. You know that. It's fun to be kind to people on the road when they cut you off. One guy totally ran me off the road last week. I mean, this guy, did dude just ran me clean off the road. And then, then he, he literally just went, and I went, whoa, and I, I got out of the way. And by the grace of God, I wasn't mad. I wasn't nothing. I was like, dude, he must not have seen me. And there was a day when I would have been mad about that, but thank God that wasn't the other day, okay? And then we pull up right next to each other at the stoplight after he ran me off the road. And he looks at me and he goes like this. And I go, I rolled down the window. No worries, dude, I've done it. Chill, it's all right. He goes, oh, thank you. I blew him away by not being angry at him because he was like all worried I was gonna start screaming at him when I rolled down my window, right? But I said, don't worry about it, dude, I've done it. It's all good, we're good. Right, so that was an example, and you know what that is? I'm not bragging, because you know what? I've done it the wrong way too, okay? So I'm not proud of that, but this time, I'd, Jesus shined through, woo, yay Jesus. Bernie was out of the way, and Jesus shined through. We like it when that happens, okay? And that's kindness, and it, it, it floored him that nobody was mad at him, because he knew he was wrong. He just literally ran me off the road. But because I was able, by the grace of God, I just said, hey, don't worry about it, man, we're good. Just, I wanted to let him know, don't be afraid of me, don't run away, don't turn down some side street, afraid I'm gonna chase you or something, because I'm not mad, it's all good. See, that's, that's exhibiting kindness in that situation. So where do we get, where does kindness come from? Where, does, where do we get kindness? Where's my phone? Could you hand me my phone? I want to read a scripture that I didn't have in my notes. Thank you. Everybody's phone is now their Bible, at least for me it is. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, starting with verse 23, it says, This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, nor the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they know and understand me, says the Lord, that I am the Lord. I exercise kindness, justice, and righteousness 
on the, on the earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. It says, I exercise, I am the Lord, he says. This is God talking. I am the Lord, and I exercise kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight. See, God delights when we're kind to others. Why? Because when we're kind to others, it, it shows others the character of Jesus Christ in in the earth. We are his representatives. When we are able to allow the Holy Spirit to manifest through us, through the fruit of the Spirit, we are, we are literally preaching the good news to them by exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit in situations. So where does kindness come from? Kindness comes from God. He's the one that invented kindness. It says in Romans chapter two, we're gonna rip through a few scriptures real quickly here. Do you not know or, or do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing it's God's kindness, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. The New King James says goodness, NIV says kindness. So I'm calling it NIV night. It's kindness, all right? It's God's goodness or kindness. Goodness is a different fruit of the Spirit, so you can use the same scripture next week, Scott. But it says, therefore, consider the kindness, Romans eleven twenty two. Consider the kindness and the sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his, God's kindness. Ephesians 2, 7 and 8, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness. Uh-oh, what are we at here? Ephesians 2, 7 and 8. Is this, we're at the wrong one there. Come on there, buddy. Here we come. Ephesians 2, 7 and 8 says, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. At one time we too were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we did, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. It says, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared. When his kindness appeared. God's kindness was manifested in Jesus. If you look at Jesus, how he walked on the earth, we can see the characteristics of God in Jesus' life. The only people that Jesus was not incredibly kind to were the Pharisees. He called them, what did he call them? Whitewashed tombs, tombs filled with dead men's bones. He called them snakes and vipers. Why? Because they were, they were evil. They were religious people who were perverting God's character on the earth. But to all the people who were lost, he was incredibly kind. To the lepers, he was kind. The lepers were the outcasts of his day, but Jesus was kind to them. To children who are not valued as children are today, to children, he said, suffer the little children to come unto me and I'll give them rest. I will, I will, I will, I will let those kids come over here and I'm gonna bless them, he says, right? So he was kind to everyone. He was kind to the, to the taxpayer who was, or the tax, not the taxpayer, the tax collector. 
He was kind to the tax collector. He was kind to Zacchaeus. He was kind to everyone that needed help. Everyone that was beaten and downtrodden, Jesus was kind to them. Why? Because he was representing the Father and it was his character to be kind. So how do we grow in kindness? Say, okay, great. You got me convinced? I need to be more kind. I'm gonna stand here and I'm gonna grit my teeth. I'm gonna clench my fists and I'm gonna say, I'm kind, I'm kind, I'm kind. Is that how you get more kind? That probably won't work, okay? You'll get a toothache or a headache from clenching your jaw too long, right? But 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God our Savior, our Lord. And as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which you have been given exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be Partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Partakers of the divine nature. How do we come? That's another way of saying, a parta- being a partaker of the divine nature is another way of saying the fruit of the spirit will be produced in your life because the, the divine nature of God is all his characteristics being manifested in your life. And how do you grow in allowing the divine nature of God to be produced in your life? By what? The exceeding great and precious promises, activating and believing and receiving those great and precious promises in your life. We activate kindness by receiving the divine nature of God and we get the divine nature of God through his promises. For this reason, verse uh, five, it says, for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue, virtue, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to your brotherly kindness, love. Sounds a lot like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? Same ones being over and over again in different ways. It's like it's, it's being shown this way, then it's being shown this way, then it's being shown this way through Scripture. Why do they do that? So that we can get it showing it from different angles and different vantage points so that we can see that these things are produced by the divine nature of God. They're produced by the Spirit. We don't have to grunt and work your way to them. We simply yield to them. You yield to them through applying the promises of God in your life. No one was ever converted to full maturity in the Christian faith in a day. What happens is that we become newborn babes in Christ, right? And then we grow. How do we grow? We grow, what does it say? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, right? That's how man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, right? So you, you, you come into faith and you come in as a, as a literal babe in the spirit, as a, as a child, and you grow, you grow through experiences, you grow through making mistakes, you go through being obedient, you grow through 
receiving God's word. You grow through interactions with other people. You grow through uh, listening. You go through hearing. You, go, you grow through reading. You grow through God's promises in your life. That's how we become full-grown, mature believers. By applying God's word, that's how we become disciples of Christ. By applying it. Because it says the foolish builder, he heard the word, but the wise builder heard and did, right? You remember the parable of of the wise and the foolish builder? One built his house in the sand, one built his house on the rock. It says the wind came and the waves came and the rain came and the floods, the rain came down and the floods came up. You remember that song, singing that in Sunday school? Come on now, everybody. Y'all do it with me. The rains came down and the floods came up, right? That was the wise and and the house on the rock stood firm, but the house on the sand fell what? Flat. What's the difference between the house on the rock and the house on the sand? The house on the rock heard and did or applied God's word to their life, and the foolish heard it but didn't do anything about it. So you can sit in church your whole life and hear about all kinds of great things. You can watch TBN till you're blue in the face and listen to the best preachers in the world. And then you can turn to Daystar and hear a whole bunch more. And then you can turn to the Catholic channel and get some of that too. It's all good, man. Mary, Martha, whatever her name is, she's awesome, okay? You can listen to all that stuff every day, all day. But if you don't do it and apply it to your life, you won't be a wise builder and your house won't be built on the rock, right? We gotta allow the Holy Spirit to apply the word to our lives. We gotta allow the divine nature to be produced into our life. How does it get produced? Through receiving his great and precious promises into our lives. We have a divine participation. We can take on the very nature of God as the new creation. It says, if any man or any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. And in that new creation reality, the fruit of the Spirit is produced in your life. So today, I want us to just think and just say, okay, what in my life have I not yielded to the new creation reality in my life? What am I still dragging around that doesn't reflect Jesus Christ's new nature that he has placed on the inside of me? Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I'm a brand new species of being. I'm a brand new person on the inside. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have become partakers, participants in God's divine nature. His divine nature includes the fruit of the spirit. That's what it is. It's love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, and all those, right? So what in my life hasn't been yielded completely to that divine nature? Do we do it perfect every time? Absolutely not, because we aren't in heaven yet, right? But here's the thing. Just because we aren't perfect doesn't mean we can't purpose in our hearts to walk in the divine nature that's within us. 
So tonight, I just want us to, to get to the point where we say, God, I want to exhibit, I want to show, I want to shine, I want to be a demonstration of the divine, your divine nature to those I come in contact with. I want people to scratch their head and go, what is up with that guy? What is up with that person? I want people to wonder what I've been smoking when I haven't been smoking nothing, right? I'll give you a little side story because I got about three minutes. I got saved on February 5, 1985. I know it's for some of you who were born. It's a long time ago. 31, almost 32 years ago, I got saved, radically saved, changed my life completely. Everything was different from that point forward. Did I always do everything right? No. But that was the date when I received the, big, the first deposit of the divine nature of God. I was born again that night. I remember it. I was on my sister's couch. I prayed a prayer and I got saved. Now I had learned the Bible my whole life. I'd gone to Christian school and I'd gone to church three times a week my whole life, but I'd never made Jesus Lord of my life. But that day I got saved. The next morning I went to work Seven o'clock in the morning, I was working as an auditor, as a CPA, and I, had, I audited companies. And I walked into my, into my work area, and the guy I was working with, he and I were friends in college, and now we were working together, and we, we were good sinners together in college. That's all I'm gonna say about that. So he wasn't a Christian, I wasn't a, I didn't, I wasn't a Christian, okay? I walk in, he's, he beat me to the office and he was there already working and I walked in and I'm just, you know, seven, and a, seven in the morning, we're working 15 hour days and I walk in and I'm just feeling like a million bucks. I got saved the night before, right? I walk in and he goes, what is up with you? First thing he says to me, I go, what? What are you talking about? He goes, would you get a new girlfriend or something? I go, no. And I was like afraid to, you know, I didn't want to lose him as a friend, you know? He goes, well, what is your deal, man? I go, I got saved last night. And he goes, from what? <laughs> I go, from hell. He goes, oh, you got religion. I go, no, man, this is different. This is different. He goes, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know? He never, he never would listen to me, he never. But he acknowledged I made him go like this. Why? because I had the life of God on the inside of me and it transformed me to such a degree that someone that knew me very, very well looked at me and said, what is your deal? What happened to you? That's my desire for all of us, that when people come in contact with us, that when we have, exam when we have in interactions with people, that we can exhibit the fruit of the Spirit to the point when they come in contact with us and things don't always go right. But here's where you gotta remember. The, the opportunity to shine rarely comes when things go as expected. Sorry, but that's the truth. The opportunity to shine rarely comes when things go as you planned. 
the, the, the time to shine and the opportunity to shine. Unfortunately, hate to break this to you, but most of the time, our opportunity to shine comes when we have situations that we were not planning on, that we don't even look forward to, and when we have situations that are not pleasant. Ooh, I wish I could say that better. But that's just the way it is. When the guy runs you off the road is when you have a chance to exhibit kindness, not when he you know, signals to you and waves and says, God bless you. Anybody can be kind when somebody does that, right? The time to really shine. So when those situations come is the time to say, oh, here's an opportunity. Opportunity to exhibit the life and the nature of Jesus Christ within me. I can show Whatever it is, I can show kindness. I can show goodness. I can show patience. I can show self-control. I can exhibit the nature, the divine nature of God that's on the inside of me in this situation. But understand, it comes when life doesn't go as expected, usually. That's when our opportunities come. So our takeaway tonight is, as you, as you live your life and as you walk your road, whatever road it is and the path that you're on, understand that when, when things go sideways, when things do not go as planned, when that particular person is just irritating, that's your opportunity to shine kindness. That's your opportunity to let the divine nature of God be produced in your life. That's your opportunity to say, I'm gonna be so nice to them, it's gonna make them scratch their head, right? I'm gonna do something so sideways to the natural way of thinking that they're gonna say, hey, what is up with you? Because you don't act like a normal person. And you're gonna say, well, glad you asked. Jesus Christ has given me the ability to love people even when they don't love me. And you say, well, what's this Jesus Christ thing? And you can lead them to the Lord. Or you can at least shine the light of Jesus in their lives. The application of the fruit of the Spirit is realize that when opportunities present themselves, when challenges come, when problems just flat out come, everybody's watching. Everybody's watching. Things have not always been perfect in any of our lives. Nobody has a life free from from heartache. Nobody has a life free from disappointment. Nobody does. But our opportunities come when we are in the middle of a disappointment, when we're in the middle of a heartache and we're able to say, God, let your divine nature shine through me today. That's my prayer for us today. And when we find ourselves in those situations, when you're going through your week this week and you bump up against something or you, you stub your toe or whatever it is, okay? Whatever it is that you would have in the back of your mind, oh, this is an opportunity to, to let the divine nature of God flow out of me and demonstrate kindness and goodness and self-control and joy and peace today. It's my opportunity. And that's when you can, that's how you can rejoice. Like James chapter one says, rejoice when these trials come upon you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for they're coming on everybody. So just have a party. 
Why? Because it's gonna give you an opportunity to demonstrate the very nature and character of God in front of, and if you think people aren't watching, you are mistaken. They're always watching. They're always watching because those, they're always watching you. you. Say, well, I'm not a pastor. Nobody cares what I do. Want to bet? They're watching every one of us every single day. And when you exhibit the nature of God, it makes them go, I wonder what it is about them and what I could do to maybe be like that because that's what I, I, I wish I could be like that. Right? That's what happens. And it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about the life of God that's available to them. And then we get the wonderful opportunity to share with them, oh man, this ain't me. If, you know, if it was up to me, I'd be an idiot, but it's only by Jesus Christ that I could do this. Now, you wouldn't say that, but that's what I say about myself. See, it's about Jesus and his life coming through us. Stand up with me if you would. I'm just curious today. Maybe there's somebody here that you say the life of God. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And you talked about being saved. And I, I'm with that guy who said, saved from what? I don't know if I've, you, somebody might be here and you might say, I, I've never made Jesus Christ Lord of my life. And maybe you've been in church like I was in church my whole life. And the first time someone asked me if I wanted to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life and be forgiven of every sin I've ever committed, do you know what I said? I said, yeah, I want that. First time anybody ever asked me, but I've been in church. I was in church my whole life. Nobody ever asked me if I wanted to be forgiven. They all just assumed I was saved. So I am of the persuasion that you shouldn't ever assume everyone in a room is saved, that you should make an opportunity. So this is your opportunity. If you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, if you say, I've never asked him to forgive me, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life, you say, and I'd like to tonight. This is your opportunity with every, high, with every head up and every eye open right in front of us all. If this is you, you say, I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. I need this. If that's you, lift up your hand. I'll pray with you right where you are. I'm not even gonna make you come down here at all. It's right there. Anybody say, I, I need Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I can't see over there, but it looks like everybody has already made Jesus Christ Lord of their life tonight. All right, well then let's, let's pray. Let's pray. And here's what I wanna pray. I wanna pray over you and I want you just to agree with me as I pray over you, just a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. It's gonna be just a simple prayer of saying, Lord, give me opportunities. So let's just to repeat with me, okay? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your divine nature that's in me. Let your divine nature be manifest in my life. Whenever I come upon situations, Holy Spirit, remind me to look to, to, look to God the Father and to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. I thank you, Father, that your divine nature will shine out of me this week in every situation, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.